Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Good morning to you. This is HawkFanatic.com. Unlike uh, all Hawks fanatics, which uh, was uh, earlier, uh, hawkfanatic.com. You can move that camera too, Tom. If you want. Uh, brought to you by Patrick Eads and everyone at Deary Brothers Ford Lincoln, Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement, Mike's Lock and E Keys for cars. His van is still not operational. You have to give him a couple days uh, and he'll be back in business. Supel Siding and Remodeling, GT Car and his crew. Also, 1-800-800-ROSE, Supla's Flowers. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City. Premier Automotive in North Liberty, the Oxyoke Inn in the Amanas. Players Sports Bar and Grill, downtown. Henry's Painting and Dr. Lance Forbes, Diamond Dental and Cedar Rapids. Joining Tom Suter and Pat Hardy from HawkFanatic.com, here's Coach Don Patterson. Well, good morning, Coach. I, I guess uh, I wish it were a little rosier picture we could talk about today after the Hawkeyes' unfortunate uh, demise in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, why don't you give us a few thoughts? Take, of, it, take it away, Don. <laughs> all yours, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, we're not the first team to have difficulty in Columbus, that's, that's for true. sure, and for we won't sure. be the last. Yep, you're right about that. Uh, a very difficult assignment, that's for sure. Uh, I want to start off by saying this. It's really difficult to state that your defense played well if it just gave up 54 points, but they actually did. Yes, yes. we were just talking about that. And, and I go a step further. In the first half, we didn't play well. We played great. Yes, I agree. Uh, for the game, we held them to 360 yards total offense. Uh, think of it this way. They ended up with nine touchdowns. Of course, one of them was a defensive score, and mm -hmm. and other other times, of course, there were a lot of short fields, but the bottom line, for every 40 yards of total offense, they they picked up an equivalent of six points. Mm -hmm. So that's um, that's a lot of short fields, obviously, that have to go against your defense, regardless of how good they are. Um, here's what was encouraging. They only rushed for 66 yards. That's an offense that was averaging 228 a game yeah. on the ground. Yeah, they just never got so, it going. <clears throat> yeah, and you might recall one of the, one of the statements that Phil made – 
uh, after before the off week was we have to find a way to shore up our rush defense. And in that regard, I would say mission accomplished. Yes. The obvious question is how did they do it? Well, fundamentally, they did it uh, with um, a lot of well-timed, loaded defense, if you will, mm -hmm. a loaded box, as we refer to it, uh, mostly in critical down short yardage. Uh, Man-free tight was the preferred coverage. <clears throat> that simply means we got man coverage on all five receivers. Uh, we got a free safety that's our center fielder. You know, that's our last line of defense. Mm -hmm. But it does give us a chance to have an extra tackler near the football and gives us a chance to be more sound against the run. And we got that done, uh, not just because we outnumbered him in the box. Also, I think we did a better job of of, um, of holding our own or even winning yeah. individual battles up front. Yeah, Noah Shannon, I uh, thought they, they singled him out a few times too, Don. Don, I wanted to ask you, um, Michigan's offensive line to me looked better than Ohio State's. Just your, I thought I, agree. I, I thought Michigan to me after watching Saturday I, I don't want to overreact but I give Michigan a better chance now Ohio State's maybe not quite as dynamic up front they had no surge against Iowa whereas Michigan had a great surge did you notice that too yeah and frankly and nothing against the Ohio State backs they're good backs but I would give the edge I, to the guy from Michigan and the guy right. from Illinois I'm with you I I, 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 I agree think those with are the two better backs yeah I do I, I agree with you. So yeah, now the the more the more potent pass offense, of course, is Ohio State. Without question. Uh, but but you know we proved we gave we gave other teams a little bit of a blueprint of how you might want to consider playing Ohio State. Yes. And that's to get up in their face and get your hands on them before it's a foul. Mm -hmm. uh, you know when they're coming off the ball, of course, for all for all you know, as a as a pressed up defender, they might be trying to to block you. And um, at least we dis at least we disrupted the routes. We didn't just didn't give them free releases yes. all day long. Yeah, off the line of scrimmage, and that's a, that's a risk, no doubt about it. That's a risk, but that's a risk that we were prepared to take because we knew we'd we'd die slow death just giving them first downs like like uh, we did too often against Illinois and Michigan. So um, hats off to the defense for for solving one of the problems that we had 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 shown in this two earlier losses um, that makes us a little better defense because they, the next few teams, of course, have to prepare for the possibility that we might decide to play a man free time as well, we did against Ohio state. And Don, Tom and I were talking right before the show, a couple of those touchdowns they scored when they were starting to play were just great plays. It wasn't terrible coverage by Iowa, like that touchdown to Harrison in the corner, just incredible just athletic execution and athleticism. And then what do you You're think? You're exactly it, right. Yeah. Really, really, in all four cases. Yeah. That, well, one case they ran the naked late. That was their last touchdown. Yes, that one. But the other uh, three. Higgins got outflanked. I'm sorry. The other three, though. You're right, though. They they were hard earned touchdowns because the defense was in good position. Yeah, very true. Uh, DeGene on the 79 yarder. He was he, for some reason he lined up with a lot of outside leverage, uh, so he got beat to the post. But truthfully, he couldn't have played it much better. No. As it turned out, it he, he did a great job. Of course, he's got he's got good makeup speed, mm -hmm. and he he undercut the receiver, uh, and and it was pretty much a perfect throw. What a throw! You know, the ball sailed over his over his hand just by a matter of inches. Um, and it's a beautiful play if you're an Ohio State fan. But the truth of it is, it was a nice recovery by it was by Cooper, right, and yeah. and um, it took a really good throw to beat him. And just as it took a good throw, as you mentioned. In that goal line sequence that we saw in the in the in the third quarter, there. 
Yeah, because if Cooper DeGene had been even a little closer and more aggressive, he may have been hit for pass interference. That's how perfect the throw was. Okay, now, I mean, eventually we're going to have to shift over. I know Tom's been dying to talk about the Iowa offense. <laughs> and, um, Tom, take it away. Well, I would prefer to hear our uh, former uh, offensive Iowa coordinator. offensive coordinator uh, talk about the offense a little bit. Okay, now. Can I get one stat, though, before we go? Uh, yeah, Tom, sure. uh, Don, Iowa has scored 10 touchdowns this year. Three of them have been by the defense. Right. I did read in the paper this morning. We've scored seven offensive touchdowns and three in defense. the last seven games. Or to go one step further, we've scored 11 offensive touchdowns in the last 11 games. I mean, the numbers are historically bad. And at this point, I, I, I like I said, okay, go ahead, Tom. So a lot of people are saying, you know, they threw uh, Alex Padilla to the Wolves uh, to having to have take his first snaps in Columbus. Um, you know, my feelings are, as he's been practicing, uh, he should be ready. But I do think that gives him a reason to start him Saturday. I too, agree completely. If you're going to throw him to the Wolves in Columbus, then give him a chance to give play. Give him a chance. What do you think, Don, your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, I agree. Um, a couple of things come to mind as, as we get into it. Let's just summarize our, our fundamental problems on offense. In the past, we've at least been able to say, yeah, we don't move the ball, but at least we know how to protect the ball. Well, we even forgot how to protect it on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, minus four on turnover margin. I'm pretty sure over the last I've, – I've done analytics now for seven years on the Big Ten. Over those seven years, I'm pretty sure if you're minus four, you probably lost at least 95% of the time. Especially at Ohio um, State. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's assuming you're not playing Ohio State yeah. with anyone. Yeah. So it's hard to overcome that. Um, twice as many turnovers as offensive points. Six turnovers, three points. Um, only 158 yards of total offense. Um, a cynic would say, well, at least we were balanced with our offense. Yeah, 77 and 81 yards. Uh, that's balanced, all right, but that's the wrong kind of balance, that's for sure. So, Donnie, um, has the, does it look to you like the offense has quit? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. We're just not very talented, uh, and uh, I don't know that we've surrendered in any particular case position-wise, uh, but we've certainly got to got to find ways to be more efficient with what we do. Our, <clears throat> incidentally, our offense has now been outscored by our defense in three of our seven games, and that's uh, another horrible stab, but it's, it's a reality. Um, I think... Um, I don't know why I'm laughing. Why are we laughing, Tom? <laughs> well, let's let's talk about let's talk about the elephant in the room. Let's talk about issues at quarterback. Okay. Uh, and th- this this really is maddening. Uh, first off, of course, Spencer's um, doesn't have much of a capacity to extend plays. You know what I mean by extend plays? He's not Pull very the ball mobile. Down, run around. Yes. Um, buy some time. Move the you pocket. know, find a way to either locate a receiver or run for yardage. Yeah. So that's that's a given that he's not going to be very good at that. That's just a function of athleticism, and we shouldn't be too critical of him for how he was born. You know, that's just the way he's the way he's made. Yep. Um, but here are things that are that are more between the ears than than tied into your feet. Uh, receiver selection is so just so frustrating. That first play is maddening. You know, we want to start the game with what we think is a good safe play. I'm not crazy about our quarterback ever rolling to the left because he's a right-hander, and it's not not his strength to be able to roll left and throw. I did find that odd. They um, did that. 
Yeah, but but the the problem whether he's left-handed or right-handed, the problem is my gosh, you got to see the defense. Uh, all I can think of is pre-snap, he maybe thought it was man coverage because there was uh, there was a guy over our outside receiver and there was a guy over our inside receiver. I think he might have made the assumption that inside defender on that inside receiver is manned up on our receiver. He was not. He was a zone defender. And as as the quarterback rolled left, that zone defender moved outside to defend the flat. That was his job. Mm-hmm. Well, he was as shocked as anyone when the ball was thrown right to him. He uh, did. And, he and it was play, right to him. But it, it was a good throw. Yeah, it was an easy ball to handle. It was very catchable, that's for sure, because we <laughs> caught it with no difficulty at all. Yes. Uh, but the bottom line, of course, you have to – you can't just you can't just um, zero in on the guys wearing white shirts and not notice the guys wearing red. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it's, it's unexplainable. You know, the guy was clearly in the throwing line. He didn't have to uh, exercise any kind of Herculean effort to, to make the play. No. It was a routine play, as was the – the second interception, which would, of course turned into a pick six, I, I described that as the really that was the defining moment in the game. Yeah. I thought then it was over. Then um, yeah, you know we had we had we had dodged so many bullets in yep. the first half it wasn't even funny. Uh, that snap, incidentally, uh, I know when when the picks finished in the end zone, there was three twenty five on the clock, mm-hmm. uh, three twenty five remaining in the half. The score at the time was nineteen to ten. Yeah. It looked like we had a great chance to get into the locker room somehow only being down by nine points. And at that point, of course, the the outcome is very definitely in doubt. Especially if Jack Campbell Um, does the same thing and gets an interception on the first play of the third quarter like he did. You know, you're right, Don. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Very true. Now that play, uh, honestly, I went back and looked at it, and and this says it all. Let me read read the quote. Joel Klatt, who is a a good analyst, uh, incidentally, he is a former quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Uh, after Colorado. that interception, here, here's a quote. He was a little bit incorrect with his grammar, but I understood where he was coming from. The quote was, I got no idea what Petrus is looking at. And uh, it really was hard to understand. I went back and looked. Uh, our back checked over the ball. Uh, actually, the, the, the backside linebacker, in terms of where the back came from, the linebacker back to the, our left, uh, and actually vacated on some kind of stunt. He was he was there was only one linebacker left in the box. Sure, uh-huh. that happened to be that happened to be the middle backer, the guy that intercepted the pass. The back logically checked away from that linebacker a little bit. That makes sense mm-hmm. because you don't want to invite an interception. You don't want to plaster yourself to the to the only remaining linebacker. So he checked away from the linebacker, uh, but the ball didn't come off at all close to the back. It came off much closer to the linebacker. Again, a routine play. Um, I heard a caller last night on a, a talk show I was involved in. He said, "He said I'm pretty sure his arm got hit. And I said, I don't think so. I, I think went back so. and looked at it no. very closely, and I'll invite our listeners to do the same. There were, a couple of, there were a couple of rushers that were in close proximity, mm-hmm. but as near as I could tell, his arm was not hit. He simply, for whatever reason, he, he threw the ball um, inaccurately. Um, but I don't blame it on contact because I don't think there was any contact. Uh, and of course, that was the pick six, and, and and now all of a sudden we're down by sixteen, and and um, for many fans and players, probably all hope was lost. Okay, Don, is this would be alarming under any circumstance with Spencer? But that was his twenty-sixth start. 
Right. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I'm getting, getting back to receiver selection. Here's a couple of other good examples. If I was a quarterback coach, I would have no choice but to count all, count all of these as poor decisions. Uh, the two interceptions, of course, speak for themselves. But there were two other times, and if I refresh your memory on the play, you'll probably remember the play. Our very first critical down, it was third and seven. This is on our second possession of the game. We threw a pick on the first possession, of course. We ran what I would call Y follow. Let me explain what Y follow is. Uh, we were in a trips formation. Uh, the tight end, of course, was um, was our favorite tight end of all of recent history, of course, Sam Laporta. And uh, anyway, Arlen Bruce, as the number two receiver, he starts on what we would call an under route or a drive route. Wide he starts open. across the formation, Wide open. sprinting across the formation on that under route. He's the first guy from that trip side to cross the formation, to cross the ball. Uh, he is wide open, again, because they vacated the backside space where a linebacker had been. And room to run. Um, yeah, with a lot of room to run, you're right. Um, as that was happening, the tight end showed as if he was running an outside route, but he put on his brakes, and he followed that other receiver back to the inside. In other words, the first receiver was clearing for the second receiver. Mm-hmm. Well, that's assuming, of course, that somebody runs with the first receiver. The linebacker ignored ignored Bruce. He's wide open on an under route. Uh, he hung instead for who he was confident was going to get the ball, and that was number 84 because we have a great tendency to favor number 84. Uh, he's sitting right there waiting on it. Where it might have been intercepted even. But as it was, of course, he showed up about the same time the ball did. Yeah. It was officially broken up by the linebacker. It was a nice play on his part, but he's, it was a simple play he would say because he's waiting for he's waiting for Laporta. But yeah, Don, uh, you, you, get, that, you get that ball to Arlen ahead. Bruce, and there's twenty, thirty yards there. It looks like easy. Yeah, there's a lot of room to run. It would have been a big play. Uh, who knows? It's open field, and Arlen Bruce. Uh, you know, even Ohio State defenders have a hard time tackling a guy like Arlen Bruce in the open field. Mm-hmm. Uh, another play, because of linebacker blitz again, Lachey is wide open over the football. You may not remember this. I do. I... Because the, yeah, the ball went nowhere near Lachey. Instead, we threw the ball on to the wide field, to the outside receiver to the wide field, a long, long throw. Yes. On a wide field out route to Nico Regani. The ball was gunned off the field. It went, it went sailing over his head. Uh, it was a difficult throw, and it was a throw that didn't make great sense. Because we did have a guy over the ball uh, that was in position to catch it and, and turn up field with it and make some decent yardage. When it seemed... um, the low percentage throw was the ball that was thrown laterally, you know, 35 yards across the field. Well, in those plays, which they do so often, those sideline routes, they so often don't work. They don't work. And if they do work, what's the receiver doing after he makes sure he catches the ball? He's just going out, out, of, bounds. out of bounds. His momentum just takes him out right. of bounds because it's going horizontal. Okay, go ahead, Don. Keep going. Yeah, you're right. Uh, part of our problem is so many of our routes do not give our receiver much chance at all for yards after the catch. Yes, that's a good way. To, that's um, what I meant. <laughs> yeah, we like we like routes that give the receiver a chance to run out with the ball. Those Safe. are drive routes. Those are slant routes. Those are seam routes. Uh, go routes obviously have a, a chance to do that. Uh, in routes have a chance to do that. You know, whether you're running across the field with speed. Um, so those all come to mind, and um, and let's talk about. Let's just not cite 
Spencer's issues because in the second half, there's another ball that's worth talking about. I know. Because it also ended up as a pick. Yep. Um, And that was um, what we would call a stick route, a stick route to Laporta again. Uh, You know, it's that little short, quick out route that's thrown, uh, except the ball that went off his fingertips. You remember? Yep. uh, Yeah. Yeah. A little bit too far. Not a good throw. Just for the record. The fault on that play is not Sam Laporta because there was a zone defender sitting outside of Sam Laporta. Sam did what he's supposed to do. He sat down in that void area between the inside defender and the outside defender. Uh-huh. In other words, the ball should have been thrown right into his body. Yes. It should not have been out in front of him. You throw the ball out in front, of course, when you're running routes versus man coverage because now you got a guy trying to undercut the receiver coming from the backside. And, of course, the tight end at that point expects the ball out in front because he knows we've got to throw the ball away from that defender that's manned up on me. But that snap was zoned. The ball should have been thrown into Sam's body. Mm-hmm. It went off his fingertips, of course, and ended up in the hands of that outside receiver. So do that you he think was trying to stay away from? So do you think it was defender, a I'm sorry. bad read by Alex, or just or a bit just a bad pass? It's a bad read. I don't, I don't think he realized. Uh, good question. It, it's conceivable he realized. He should have thrown the ball right there in that void and not led, not led Sam to the outside defender. Uh, my guess is it was a bad read. I don't know that. Only, only Alex knows for sure. Uh, but based on the situation, of course, it was an inaccurate throw. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I don't want to be overly cynical or negative, but doesn't this kind of show right now it doesn't matter who plays quarterback? Or have you seen enough of Padilla? Is that a fair thing to say with just two quarters? I mean, um, that's my concern, well, though, Don, is it just doesn't matter yeah. who plays quarterback. Here's the argument for a change. Obviously, one of our problems is we have difficulty protecting our quarterback. Yes, move the pocket. Yep. Well, and the obvious question, which quarterback has the greater capacity to extend plays? I've uh, seen a lot of uh, Spencer. That's certainly not his strength. I would have to say, not that Padilla, he's not to be confused with with uh, Patrick Mahomes from the Chiefs, uh, but he is a more mobile quarterback, and he does give us a better chance to extend play. Yes. Uh, simply because he is a lot, in terms of mobility, he has to have what you would consider uh, some kind of edge, even if it's only a slight edge, an edge over, over Spencer in that regard. So I would say that's one more reason to make a change is that uh, he gives us a little more a little more uh, opportunity uh, simply because we struggle to protect the pocket like we should. Um, let's talk about again about, about ways that the quarterbacks can improve. Receiver selection is one of Spencer's issues, of course, and for that matter, uh, you know, Alex hasn't proven much at all about how well he's going to be able to pick out the best guy for the ball. But the other problem we run into a little bit, this is for sure an issue with Spencer in some cases, is better pocket awareness. Now, that's hard to teach, um, but, but let me explain what I'm talking about. Both quarterbacks can be better. We struggle with our tackles blocking edge, edge rushers, right? We know that. Yes. Well, you have to have a sense, and you do have peripheral vision. You don't have to be staring down the guys that are coming off the edge. You can have your eyes downfield and still get a sense of, of whether or not that guy's whistling off the edge. And when he's coming off the edge, of course, he's trying to bait our tackles up the field, And that's an indication to you that you need to climb within the pocket. You need to step back up in the pocket to make yourself a little less available to those edge rushers. And then from there, of course, you might need to slide left or right based on those inside rushers. 
but the bottom line, you give our you give our guys a chance uh, to protect those edge rushers that are so difficult to block for a lot of tackles, not just ours. Um, and then one other thing, let's talk about the fumble that was caused on Spencer's part. Uh, Spencer must understand on that particular play, uh, our, our tackle had been beaten up the field. This time, the edge rusher started up the field and then ducked inside, tried to beat him inside. So I want you guys to envision a clock. Imagine we laid a huge clock down on the field and at the, right there with the quarterback at the center of the clock and straight ahead toward that center would be 12 o'clock, right? That would be 12 o'clock if you laid the laid a, a clock down on the field of play, right? 12 o'clock, mm-hmm. straight ahead. Well, at, at the 3 o'clock position, of course, would be whatever depth you have, it would be that, that part of the field that's to your immediate right, right? That would be okay. 3 o'clock. Right. You follow me? Yes. Okay, and of course, the other edge rusher would be coming at you if he's rushing up the field, coming at you at 9 o'clock, Nine, more correct. or less. Yes. yes, I got you. Yep. But in, in, in the case I just described, the guy wasn't coming at 3 o'clock. He was trying to beat us inside. He was coming at 2 o'clock or at one thirty, if you will. He was coming inside. The edge rusher was trying to beat our tackle inside. And did. And, and when and you sense Quickly. <laughs> yeah. And when you sense pressure at 2 o'clock, you don't run away from that pressure. You, you outflank that pressure. So pressure at 2 o'clock, escape at 3. Or even give ground, escape at 3.30 or 4. You know, you give ground as you need to to get outside of that guy that's trying to beat the tackle inside. Obviously, as he's running inside... Once you once you escape at three or four o'clock, you're going to buy time. You're going to break contain, as we say. Mm-hmm. You're going to have time to throw at that point because there's nobody out there, um, unless it's some kind of pre uh, prearranged stunt where an inside guy is scraping outside. But in this case, there wasn't. That was the widest rusher on the field. Don, I think that play um, symbolizes the Iowa. Off. I mean, the line just caved, and Spencer has no mobility or pocket presence, and he was just crushed. And he was crushed. He had no chance, and then he did make things worse by fumbling. I made the mistake of saying that wasn't all on Spencer on Twitter, and I got attacked by no. Well, it yes, wasn't all on he Spencer. He should have protected the football, and he should have handled it better, but my God, he had, he had no protection. It just completely broke down, the protection. Yeah, but it falls back on him. you got to escape that. Oh, no, I understand that. Yes, I, yes. I understand that, but that's not him. And we know yeah, so we're just that two o'clock pressure is the one that caused the fumble. Right? Yes, I know, but also, yeah. but can't you also admit, though, Don, that they got to block a little better up front? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a problem. It's a problem on both ends. Yes. It's a problem that the quarterback needs to, to have better pocket awareness. Obviously, the offensive line needs to find a way to strain to maintain those blocks. And, and that's the tricky part when I say strain. It doesn't mean hold a guy because we don't need a flag. You still got to play within the rules of the game. But at least if you keep contact and force that guy to rush a little further inside than what he wants, Obviously, that makes it a little bit easier for Spencer to escape the pressure. So, now, what do you think about – it seems like I watch what remaining pro-style quarterbacks were left. One of the best things they do is step up when the pockets – I don't see Spencer do – does he do that much? Am I just not seeing that? But it seems like a lot of the no. – and not even great ones. No. They step up, and that doesn't seem to be part of his game. Why is that? Yeah. Well, you just have to have that pocket awareness. Here's, here's the guy putting pressure off the edge. Yes. If I stay at a 10-yard t- a depth or a 9-yard depth, he's gonna, I'm he's vulnerable gonna... off the edge. Yes. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe he can't sack me, but it, all he's got to do is get a hand in there. Uh, think back to A.J. Epinesa and all the fumbles he caused mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. by getting his paw in there. 
somewhere around that football. Yes. You know, he swiped quite a few balls out in his uh, Iowa career, and now he's doing it on Sunday. Uh, so you you got to help the tackle by stepping up inside. Think of it this way, too. If you just maintain that depth that you took on your drop, it's going to be a sack of minus 8, minus 9, minus 10. If you step up in the pocket, even if you get sacked, it's only minus 3 or 4. That's a good point. Five. You know, when I was watching, Don, I, yeah. um, the other day, I can't remember what, I think it may have been Channel 109. They had the replay of the Iowa-Ohio State game from, I believe, 1983. I think you guys beat them 20-17. to 17. It was 1983, so, I mean, the program was rebuilt, and it was, that place was rocking. Keith Byers got hurt and, that, and didn't play in the second half. That obviously helped. But I just remember watching that game, and just so many times, the pocket around Chuck would start to maybe, after, and he would just gradually just, like it was just common sense, just step up two or three times to make everything easier. Because yeah. a lot of those guys, when they're running by Don, their momentum also takes them further downfield. So they're further away from you if you step up. And yet he never seems to. Is that Spencer or is that coaching or is it both? Uh, it's hard to, hard to know where the, the blame lies the most. But ultimately it's on Spencer. Okay. Uh, now I don't doubt that it's been discussed with him. Listen, you need to you need to step up in the pocket, and yes. you might need to slide. It's not like we're on to something. Slide left or right, <laughs> and you've heard me use this expression: uh, good quarterbacks they see the field and they feel the rush. Again, you've got peripheral vision. You can, your eyes cannot go down to the pass rush because obviously, if your eyes are on the pass rush, you can't locate receivers. You have to you have to see the field and feel the rush. That's what Drew Tate was so uh, good at. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought that yeah. was one of Drew Tate's best strengths. He just had eyes in the back of his head in the pocket. But Don, again, my concern is um, this is twenty six starts for Spencer now, and I just am to the point where Tom, do you think he just I doesn't think have it? It needs to be twenty six and final starts. So you think no matter how Padilla plays, that just keep him in there? Uh, yeah, or, or the third string or guy third because string. Spencer has shown that he's not getting it. So done. Donna, you, would you be ready to go there as the coach to, to basically? Give up on I'm not. Well, I'm give here's, up. here's an ideal. Here's an ideal compromise on our situation. Okay. I think every Iowa fan is curious what Labus might be able to do. Sure. Uh, here's a here's a solution, and obviously he's not prepared to go out there and play 60 snaps or 70 if we're lucky. But typically for us, it's more like 60, right? Yeah. We have a hard time having 70 snaps <laughs> yes. in a game. Yes. But here's what could happen, and I think I mentioned this on the show a few weeks ago. What could happen is the same thing that Purdue did to us last year. You might recall they played three different quarterbacks, and I made the comment at the time. I said, I will guarantee you that third quarterback only knew there were only going to be a handful of plays that he was going to run. He probably had five plays that he was prepared to run against Iowa. Mm-hmm. And guess what? When he's on the field, they're going to call one of those five plays. Now, we could easily do the same thing with Joy Labus. You know, just to mess with him a little bit. Sure. And it would lose? certainly give the, the fans a little bit of a, a, boost. a boost for the yeah. moment is – um, we get to have a chance to look at a guy we've never seen play football. Sure. Uh, so he's got five plays. Those are the only five plays. And he goes on the field knowing we're going to run one of these five plays. And that doesn't mean he only ends up with five snaps. You know, maybe we run one of those, one or two of those plays twice. Maybe he ends up with eight snaps. Mm-hmm. Whatever he gets his feet wet, we get some idea of what Labus can do in a live situation. And we're not going to. We're not going to throw him to the wolves because we're only going to give him five plays. And, and he knows inside and out how to handle those five plays. And I, I know that goes against everything Kirk stands for as a coach. I mean, he, but I'm to the point now where 
the reason Kirk doesn't want to do that stuff normally, his answer, he wants to avoid turnovers, wants to avoid problems. It can't be any worse than what it is right now, sticking to one quarterback. So I'm with you, Don. I say at this point, try anything. Oh, I couldn't try, agree Try more. anything at this point. Well, understand this. If he's in for five plays and if they have even moderate success, now the, now the opposing defensive coordinator has to talk about, okay, if yes. Labus is back in the game, here's what you need to be prepared for. And he's just guessing, of course, as to what the next play might be if Labus is in there. Uh, but obviously, the only people that have an idea for sure what's going to happen with Labus are the ones that are on our bench, not the other ones. So that's a, that's a way to complicate the defense's preparation, complicate complicate the game situation for them. They got to spend a little bit of time talking about what if Padilla is in the game? What if Pinkus sure. is in the game? What yeah. if Labus is in the game? Yeah. Because clearly we're, we're going to call plays that are the strength of Joey Labus and that are the strength of Alex Padilla. No, that's Versus a good Spencer. And I, well, I think the fact that Kirk finally made the change at Ohio State, even Kirk has a breaking point. I think that pick six late in the second quarter, Tom. Don't you think yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. he probably went in there saying, "Man, Brian, we got to try something. We got." Let me let me ask a, a somewhat of a devil's advocate observation here. The last three games, we've played three of the best defenses in the country. Uh, how much better do you think the offense can look against a pedestrian defense like Northwestern? Well, I mean, let's face it. All these. Uh, Teams we're going to go up against, they all work hard to prepare for a game. They all have good ideas about how to play defense. Let's not forget that Wisconsin's done a good job of defending us over each of those last 10 years. And they look really good. Um, you know, they've won eight out of 10 games, and in many cases, they've done a great job of defending us. Um, a year ago, Purdue did a great job defending us. We were in single digits against both those teams last year. And, um, and for that matter, Minnesota, but on their own right, they have an outstanding defense too. It's just their offense. So all these basically. teams are going to be, all these teams are going to be a challenge, uh, which is all the more reason we should expand our our playlist a little yes. bit so that we have a better chance to move the ball. If we just continue to run the same plays that we run week after week after week, uh, they're going to have a better chance to defend some of those plays because those are the, those are the plays, of course, that they prepare to defend. Uh, and the only way you can win those matchups is with better execution than what they have. I wish they'd go more and, up tempo and, at times, too. Yeah, and again, that's part of our problem, of course, is we don't execute as well as we need to sometimes against some of these superior defenses that we're running into. Well, okay, Don, this Northwestern team is not very good. I've watched it a few times. But you guarantee, I guarantee you, Pat Fitzgerald's telling his players, guys, this is – I'm not this saying – This is one we can win. This is one – This their offense, we can win this game. We can go in there and destroy their homecoming. How how worried I'm, – I'm not worried about Saturday's game, which is worrisome. I, I, I keep reminding myself, well, what the Iowa offense can lose to anybody. I mean, how worried are you about Saturday, about Northwestern coming in here and continuing this misery? Because if they lose Saturday, then I say the wheels are off. Well, if you want to quantify these next five opponents, and this is difficult to do, but if you force me to do it, mm -hmm. if you ask me, Coach, where, where is our best chance to win? I would say it's against Northwestern. I would agree completely, yes. Um, you know, I think that Northwestern and Nebraska, probably their name two, are probably our, our best opportunities going forward. Here's the good news, though. We have a true opportunity against all five of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we're not playing anybody as good as Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, so that's the good news. We have a chance against every last one. Uh, and how good a chance? It depends on how well we execute. 
depends on on uh, how well we play on both sides of the ball. Not to mention the kicking game. The kicking game for once let us down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think going forward we have a great chance to win the the kicking game matchup in all five games. That's a plus. Obviously our defense is going to match up well against anybody we play. Uh, so that's a plus. So can you win two out of three and win the game? Yes, absolutely you can. Even if we lose the matchup, our offense versus the opposing defense, well, how did we lose? Did we just lose in terms of yards or did we lose in terms of turnovers as well? You know, if we're minus four on turnovers, good luck beating anybody. Uh, but if we protect the ball and still struggle to move the ball, then we can win those kind of games. We won them last year, and we can win them again. It doesn't have to be pretty is my point. You know, it can be an ugly game, and yet we still won because we had superior play in two out of three units, and at least in our in our offensive unit, we did a great job protecting the ball. We didn't have a lot of self-inflicted wounds, very few penalties, uh, took advantage of the field position that the defense gave us, that our, our kicking game gave us, and, and we, we um, eked out a win, even though we didn't outgame the opponent it didn't matter because we took advantage of our scoring opportunities and we found a way to win the game as we so often do i think tory would have converted uh, i think he would have converted that had he ran right away yes i watched that several times if he had just gone I with his instinct he would have made, made it but by the time he decided to do it it was too late they were they were they were kind of knowing what he was doing and he was still kind of close I, mean, I i it was he i felt bad for him but i sort of laughed too at the time i thought i i gave him credit for trying even though that's not what the, what what were your thoughts on the fake fake punt don well, he reminded me a little bit of, of Spencer running the ball because he he ended up being a big target. You know, he you, did. You he got hit. They they stoned him pretty much. Yes, you know, because he exposed his chest to him. So in those kind of spots, even the punter needs to understand this. You know, if you're if you're running the ball, if you're advancing the ball, you better get skinny. You know, you better you better get your pads down. You better you better drop one shoulder or the other. You better try to knife your way downfield throw that extra two yards. He gained four, he needed six. Yeah. Uh, so he had a chance to get there, but he had to have the right, the right kind of uh, demeanor as he was running down the field. He had to get his pads down. And he just he got did. stood up. Of course, when he got stood up, he was dead. Yeah, and I remember when he got hit, I'm like, yeesh. Because, I mean, yeah. that just reminded me how violent this game is. Here's this punter trying to – and those guys, once they realized it was him, they just attacked him. And But, yeah, that was a tough play. But, obviously, no one play um, made or break – broke that game or no, made that game no. it was just a gradual fall but i'll tell you don i i just i was so impressed with how hard iowa's defense made cj stroud work he looked uncomfortable yeah. during large parts of that game and we can harp on the offense all we want there's not going to be kirk was asked again about coaching changes and i'm with him i mean what would be the benefit of firing Brian right now? And what would that accomplish other than showing fans we care, I guess? Well, let me go to the other side on that. I mean, look what it's done for uh, Wisconsin to get fire Paul Crest and Leonard well, has stepped in, and they have looked like a completely different team. A week ago, we were saying, gee, how'd they lose at Michigan State? I, I mean, I think it's a I little don't. early to say they've lo- they lost at Michigan. They lost to Michigan State, so... And they that's the great head, Saturday. That's the head. I know, but they looked bad against Michigan yeah. State just the game before. So you can do a sweeping narrative every week. I'm just saying, and they had a fixed plan right there, ready to go. You think Iowa's got some great coordinator ready to not take at over? all? That's no. I just don't understand why not just let the season play out. That's my thoughts, Don. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Well, it would be disruptive for sure to to make a, a change of that magnitude. That's for sure. Um, 
You're right about Wisconsin. I still hate the fact that Paul Chris lost his job in season. That should not happen to him. You know, he's a good man, and he's done a good job. He's given a lot of his – Don, can I interrupt? I want to ask you something. I to Wisconsin football. I want to ask you something. This was proposed to me yesterday. What if they get rid of Brian? Paul, so Chris, Paul Christ is the Iowa coordinator. coordinator, but it would probably cost one point five to two million a year. Would you? Could you see Iowa doing that, and could you see Paul Chris doing that? And I'm not sure how galvanizing that would be because he's, but he he's sort of boring, and I don't know. Do you think that would go he over would well with fit fans? With Kirk, oh, he'd be perfect. Conservative, old old school. Your thoughts? Could you see that happening, Don? Well, philosophically, he would fit in well with you know Kirk and. And Paul think a lot alike. Of yes. course, it's been a good formula. They like for each success other. Success for both programs. Yep. So they would be aligned at least in terms of philosophy. I think it would be Paul would be very comfortable um, doing what Kirk wanted him to do with the offense, and it would be um, very similar to what it's been, of course, and 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 uh, very similar to what Wisconsin's been also. Sure. Ball control, not beating yourself. Yes. Establish the run. You know, use play action passes if you can get the run established. Uh, of course, it gives you a chance to recruit a, a really good back if he knows he's going to get the ball twenty-five or thirty times a game. So, Tom, as a fan, uh, how yeah. would would that how would would that excite you as a fan? Um, I would have concerns, but I would also, yeah, it would be ratcheted up a little bit because we know he's a good offensive mind. Yes, sure, I, yeah. So, and I'm not saying yeah. that's going to happen, but I, something like that could yeah. happen because then, to me, if you get somebody like Paul Chris, that makes replacing Brian look well look who they're replacing him with because I I mean I'm not convinced he's going to be gone next year but I'm starting to think more and more but it's going to have to be done the right way don't you agree they're not going to just fire I it's going to have to be the right way Donnie what do you think about the possibility and and you would know more about how this would affect people's psyches and stuff but what if if Brian were to be uh, uh, going back to being the offensive line coach and then hiring a an offensive coordinator, and then uh, firing George Barnett, and then firing uh, Barnett. Yeah. Well, I think that's a little bit unfair to George, I, uh, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that simply because he's been here less than he's been here a, a one and second, a half season. Yeah, yeah, I agree with uh, that. It takes, you know, he's he's inherited a group of players. Uh, you know, let's face it. Part of our problem is we've we don't have a lot of older players in our offensive line. No. Uh, you know they. Many in many cases they had they had four if not five I guess maybe no five stars but certainly some four star players that have not been heard from mm-hmm. and of course you know how I felt about rating high school players you know it's inexact at best um, but the bottom line we don't have a lot of older players that are even in the in the system because they've they've either chosen to move on or or they've uh, not been able to execute well enough to to play ahead of some younger players. Incidentally, let's give George credit for this. You know, he's trying to come up with the best five, the best five to put out there at one time. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Uh, When Kobe was playing right tackle in the first half, he was beaten a couple of times. He was struggling at tackle. I don't know if you noticed what our solution was, but our solution was not to take him out of the game. Move him inside. It was simply to move him to guard. So they moved him to right guard. And then at that point, of course, we, we put in um, Jack Plum. Oh, help me out, Plum. Jack, Jack Plum. Plum. Jack Fitz, your senior. Uh, and and I yes, an older player, a player that has gotten a lot of coaching and and played, and in played a lot of a lot. games. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know for a fact, but I 
I suspect maybe that might have proven to be a better solution. It, it seemed like it was. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the solution they went with for the rest of the game, I believe. Yeah, he tried something. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he tried something. You, you, you keep trying. Yeah. And that's the argument, of course, for, for giving Alex to start this week. Because we've, we've seen the other movie. You know, Spencer's let's been given more than one. a fair opportunity. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I'm a big Spencer fan. And we're not saying it's all Spencer's fault. No, we're not either. saying it's all Spencer's And if Alex struggles Saturday and the Labus thing, if they happen to you, you can always put Spencer back in. And Spencer, I think, is man enough and unselfish enough to accept that if that's his fate for the rest of the season. Be ready. Because don't you think Tom Padilla is going to struggle some more this year? If he's oh, well, sure, but I think he's earned the opportunity to, to struggle. Yes. If you're going to throw him in there at, for a whole half at Ohio State, give him at least a half against Illinois. Now, let's say they're down 7-3 to three at halftime and he's terrible. Put Spencer back in if you want. So Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, let's face it. If Spencer's a veteran quarterback – is it going to be difficult for him to come off the bench and play? I don't it's, think so. It shouldn't be. Mm-mm. No, it's not much different than starting the game. When you're in, you're in. And uh, if it ha- if your first half happens to be the first play of the second half, that's fine. Uh, you know, at halftime, you know that you're the you're the guy, and you, you go out and get snaps and get warmed up. And in your mind, it's not much different than starting the game at that point. Well, and he played pretty it's well at Nebraska under that circumstance. He played better than Padilla, and then that gave him the starting job heading into the postseason but no i don't think they owe him anything more he's a great teammate everything he does everything you want but at some point you got to produce on the field and i think that was probably was that his worst game boy statistically i think think it was his worst half it probably his worst half ever i think yeah i mean it was just yeah i mean i know it was at ohio state and what have you so yeah and it was and i feel so bad for the guy because don he is like you've said before he is the perfect representative of iowa football he he stands for so many good things he's a great interview he's a great person but he's here to play quarterback and it just hasn't happened and and of course spencer knows very well quarterbacks will always get more blame than they deserve when you lose uh and the other side of the coin of course when you do win you're going to get more credit than what you deserve them to Mm mm-hmm that's and that'll never Goes change. The territory. It's scary to think, you guys. A, if our defense hadn't played as well as they did, to give Ohio State six turnovers in it, the shoe, it could have been ninety. It could to have nothing. been ninety to nothing. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And think about this. This, this is such an unusual game. They commented. They said, "How often in a game?" Have you seen 36 points go on the board, and yet only one of those touchdowns was an offensive touchdown? Yeah, Think about that. We had, just, five, we yeah. had five field goals to make that 36 points. That's 15 of them. And the three touchdowns, two of them were by the two different defenses. And, hey, one thing I what? thought was interesting from Ohio State's perspective, Jackson Smith and Jigba, it looks like he hurt that hamstring again, yeah, didn't it? That, Don, that could, be a, that could keep him out the rest of the season, couldn't it? Because it's already – it could. You've got to give it more time. You know, he's tried to come back a couple of times now, right? Yes. yes. This is a thir- he had taken 36 snaps prior, but he tried to make a quick burst move, and he pulled up right away. But, Don, I think Stroud was frustrated in the first half, don't you? No doubt about it. You know, uh, really, we've given other teams a, a, a potential game plan, at least part of yes. the game plan, and that was be – that would be, you know, you got you're kind of rolling the dice, depending on how well you're equipped to do it. It's it's a, a recipe for disaster, but that is Manfred tight. You know, that's a change up look that you can give mm-hmm. to Ohio State. You got to get up and contest those guys. You got to get your hands on them before they come off the ball to disrupt the routes. Don't give them a free release. And the risk you take, of course, is getting beat over the top. 
but the good news, of course, is in the meantime, you're you're uh, kind of at least maybe eliminating some of those some of those runs that mm-hmm. have been in the past gone for first down yardage on third and one, third and two. Um, you know, we any number of times we we tackled them. They ran the ball. Uh, they tried to throw it some too, but we did a good job defending. Yeah. The fans were upset because they thought we should have been flagged a time or two. But, you know, the the players and understand maybe so. what the rules are. And yeah. You have an idea of what you can get by with. Let's face it, some contact is allowed. doesn't matter who you are. You're allowed some contact. Uh, and, you know, if you're if you're within the rules of the game, they're not going to flag you. Uh, that's what happened on Saturday. I don't – did we ever get a DPI? I don't think we had one, did I we? I don't believe we – I don't believe they did. And, what, and what, when I usually watch, especially with Stroud in Ohio State, if I watch him in games, so often he gets that snap in the shotgun and right away the ball's out because his first option, the guy he wants, is usually open. That was rarely the case against Iowa. He was having to progress, Don, and I just don't think he was used to that. And he just seemed a little rattled because he was having to look for second and third options you're right we had them compounded for yes sure. and to, to their credit they they worked through some of those problems they in the did. second half uh, and to our credit we still contested the throws they were just good enough to hit them uh and that gave them of course the 28 points in the second half so the, the score got ugly but but um i give a lot of credit to ohio state for that you know we contested those balls they yeah. simply had good execution great execution to be able to hit them that deep and ball that's what great teams can do to you um you know, great teams can somehow execute better than better than your best execution. Tom, that deep ball. What uh, let's talk a, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, let's talk a minute about Joe Evans' play. Okay. And, oh, beautiful. So I'm going to give credit to two people, Joe Evans, obviously, but also Phil Parker. Mm-hmm. Here's the part, and I, I, I kind of chuckled to myself, that was the first play of their second possession, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they got the... They got the interception on our first possession, and and it was three and three and out, and they kicked the field goal. Now they're back on the field, uh, and on the first play, we run a stunt that we used to call blitz under. Uh, Joe Evans was lined up outside, but it was a, it was a weave stunt, if you will, or a twist stunt. Uh, the inside defender ran up the field, ran for some width, because he became the contained rusher. Joe started up the field and then ducked underneath, right? Yep. And sure enough, sure enough, the offensive guard chased that interior lineman, uh, chased the width of that interior lineman that was running up the field, and that opened up a beautiful seam for Joe. Joe hit that seam hard. The thing I liked, he hit the quarterback with force. It was a perfectly legal hit. Yep. Hit him in his chest. The ball was in his chest. The ball comes out. A lot of defenders would be interested in celebrating the hit they got on the quarterback. But Joe had the presence of mind to also recognize the ball is out. He quickly scrambles to his feet, scoops and scores. That was just a beautiful play all around. Former quarterback, Don. For Joe Evans. Former quarterback, and you can tell he has – well, he's a former high school quarterback. He was a really good quarterback, and you could tell he's got good good ball skills. But, no, that was a good play. But, but hey, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about a few other – the big anything in any of the other Big Ten games stand out to you? Anything well, that... let's talk about Northwestern and Maryland. Okay. Uh, now, I don't know any details. I do have the game. I watched it. Of course, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at it probably later today sometime. I watched some of it. I watched almost all of it. I did see the highlights, and I saw the, the wrap-up show, you know, from the Big Ten Network. And the thing that impressed me is is uh, Northwestern proved to be really resilient. Let's face it, Maryland is a challenging team to play. Yes. And they're because they, they, do, they do produce a lot of big plays. That's their nature. Northwestern made uh, it work. But... I was impressed that that Northwestern was basically matching them score for score until the 
latter stages of the game. I, you know, Northwestern put up 27. Their offense has to feel pretty good. No, Maryland was without they... its quarterback. Yes, exactly. Maryland was without its starting without quarterback. Without Leah, yeah. Leah did not play. But the backup did okay. He's a transfer from Wake Forest, I believe. He, he did, did okay. okay. Billy, I think his name's Billy Edwards. Yeah, they still put up, they still put up 34 points, of yeah. course, and that's enough to win most games. But the thing that has to encourage a Northwestern fan is at least – we didn't get down to the dumps. We kept competing. Sure. We clearly played until the end. I think the winning touchdown was scored with, what, just two or three minutes left mm-hmm. on the clock? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah, so they lost, but but at least on offense, they gained some confidence with how they could play. Now, we may remove all that confidence from Northwestern on Saturday because playing against Iowa, Iowa's defense is a little bit tougher than playing against Maryland. I can't see them scoring over 17 Kennedy. points. Can you, Tom, Northwestern? Well, if they get... 17 points, they might win. win. They might win. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's the concern. But I can't see them having a ton of success on on Iowa's defense. But So you have absolutely no faith in the offense going in against Northwestern? Not without something different. No, I don't have any. Nothing's working. And, Don, do you think, what do you think? They're going to want to come out, and regardless who the quarterback is, they're going to want to come out and establish the run, right? And and they're going to think that they can maybe do it against Northwestern? Your thoughts on that? Well, I think we we certainly have to try. Yes. Let's face it. You know, if you can't run the football, you've heard me say before, if you can't run the football, you're going to have a hard time winning in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rushing yardage has to at least be close. If they if they beat you by 100 yards, you're going to lose just about every time. Uh, and I don't think very I think very few teams will ever be able to outrush us by 100. Uh, incidentally, Minnesota did it a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, um, and and we still beat them. Yeah. So it doesn't doesn't guarantee a win, but but that's a great way to win a game. Of course, is to possess the ball and and outrush your opponent by a, by a big number, by a three digit number. Uh, so I think they're going to struggle to run the ball against us. Uh, I think we would be foolish if we didn't do our best to get our running game established. I realize we've struggled some in that area, but that's still a great way to play if you can at least make them respect the run that gives you a chance to set up some play action pass uh you know we can still throw a lot of high percentage passes to help us to move the chains mm-hmm. i'd still like to see us take more shots down the field because we just have a, a hard time generating explosive plays and the best way to generate them is to try to generate them you know to call plays that have a chance to be uh big gainers whether it's just a simple play action go route or maybe maybe a reverse or a reverse pass something like that um, you know, some kind of play that gives your receivers a chance to run after the catch. A seam route's a good example. You know, if, if they're playing three deep coverage, let's try to go four verticals sometimes and, and see if we can hit one of those seam routes. Let's face it, if they're linebackers number 84 and 85, those are nice targets going down those seams if the, mm-hmm. if the defense gives you a chance. And typically, three deep coverage, you're thinking about uh, trying to get a, you know, a good horizontal stretch on that free safety and then it's st- you still have to beat underneath coverage, of course, down those seams. Mm-hmm. But both Sam and Luke are tall targets. You know, we can we can throw the ball up and over a lot of uh, linebackers that are not so tall. Incidentally, let's just give credit again to Jack Campbell. What a great mm-hmm. interception! Yeah, it sure was. I promise you, very few inter- very few linebackers can make that play, primarily because they're simply not tall enough to make it. Uh, a great job of reading the quarterback size. They did, you remember the video in the game itself? They're looking, you know, from behind the quarterback, mm-hmm. and you can see Jack Campbell is eyeballing the quarterback's eyes. And when his eyes move, Jack Campbell moves. And is it any surprise when the ball comes out of the Ohio State quarterback's hands that Jack Campbell is in that throwing lane, 
what Coach Fry used to call, he's a great fence post. That was an old West Texas term Coach Fry had, meaning you get underneath that route and you require that quarterback to loft the ball up and over you. And with a little bit of luck, of course, you can even get your fingers on it, maybe tip it up in the air and catch it as it comes down. That's exactly what Jack did. And he's 6'5". a great position on his part and a great effort to tip it and then, of course, the concentration yeah. to follow that tip into his hands. And it helps being 6'5", too. I mean, he's 6'5", 250 yes, pounds. Does. He's a big – no, I thought he played great. I thought Evans played – I thought Noah Shannon played great. I thought most of the defensive guys – I mean, Castro got beat on a couple plays, but he mm-hmm. was so close. He, it's not like he was – Just an inch It was away just great execution the, yep. by Ohio State. But, but I left that – Weekend thinking that Michigan might be a little better than Ohio State right now, and I didn't think I would say that. But I think those two are far superior to anyone else in the conference right now. Would you agree? And on that? the other hand, uh, Ohio State, you know, uh, you say how much they kind of struggled against Iowa and still scored 50, what, 54, 54 points? points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, here's a priority for us going forward. We had a priority, of course, of shoring up our rush defense and our off. We got that done. I think the next priority that comes to mind for me. We need to enhance our pass rush. Part of our problem that second half, we simply couldn't get to the quarterback. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, and so uh, that all starts, of course, with those four guys with their hands in the dirt. You know, you, we've got to do a better job of of, uh, of separating from those from those pass blockers and getting their hands up. Uh, if nothing else, you know, forcing the quarterback to pull the ball down in part because. You know, we got a we got a guy up in there. It's the run lane. You know, you can't you can't find the receiver because our our lineman. If you can't get to the quarterback, of course, you got to gather yourself and get up in the air and try to try to get your hands on the ball. Could some of that be fatigue uh, so done since the off? Didn't do a great job of that. I'd say if that's an area we can improve. But Don, uh, here's another thing that comes to mind: we have to limit possessions, and that's really on both sides. Uh, obviously, the offense has to possess the ball and grind out the yards. Ohio State had 16 possessions, and of course, it all started with six turnovers. Uh, quick possessions, of course. If if a team like Ohio State snaps the ball in 16 different possessions, you're in trouble. I don't care who you are. Don, could That's some, too many opportunities. Could some of that problem, though, with the rush be fatigue in the second half because the offense keeps going three yeah. and out and turning it over? No doubt about it. Mm. I mean, we're lucky that it was a nice day. Maybe it was a little too warm. Maybe that was our problem. It may have been. We were getting a little bit sapped in the second half. The... Here's another thing to come to mind. Uh, something for our guys to think about. Uh, I just made a note as the game played out. Too much use of the empty. Empty sets or, or sets where there's only a quarterback in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, uh, the only chance to run the ball at that point would be a quarterback draw. Well, if you don't run quarterback draws, empty means pass. Empty means pass virtually 100% of the time. So does right? Gavin Williams in the game means pass yes, almost 100% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what what we got, at the very least, Ohio State's front recognized there's nobody in the backfield but but Petrus or Padilla, Padilla whoever the case was. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's pin our ears back and let's get our best pass rush going here because mm-hmm. they were 99% certain, 95% at least certain, this is going to be another pass. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, and they got pretty good pressure. They didn't bring six. They didn't force us to throw immediately. They didn't go zero and, and bring six. You know, there's only five blockers, of course. So obviously, if you're bringing six, you're going to get there every time, uh, unless the quarterback can somehow make a guy miss. Uh, but they, they simply just pin their ears back and typically brought four or maybe five. Mm-hmm. In rare cases, they maybe brought six, but not many. Uh, so that's something to think about. Not so many empty sets. 
some teams maybe that settles them down and they don't do anything, but you still got that issue of blocking those edge guys that that have every reason to believe it's going to be just another pass. Well, you could do an empty set if you have Brad Banks playing quarterback or Seneca right. Wallace. Right, it makes more sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. No, I'm with yeah. you on that. So I, but regardless of how bleak things, I I still probably pick an Iowa to win Saturday. That's probably Absolutely. as big a statement yes, about Northwestern as as much Iowa. Yep. I'm picking Iowa to win like probably 12 to 11, something like that. And, you know, we joke yeah. about these scores. Remember, I picked the 8 to 7 score against Illinois to kind of be snarky. They lost 9 to 6. It's not like predicting scores right. like that is really out of the question right now. That's Iowa football. Well, and the over-under for this one, it was 31 and a half. 31 and a half, Don. It's a low, they're saying it's the lowest in the history of gambling, isn't it? And, uh, 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 I've never seen games? one lower. I, uh, uh, well, heaven forbid, heaven forbid that we have adverse weather because now we're now we know for, it's even more likely to go under. Yeah, and I think it's supposed to be. What's I saw the extended at least the one on TV. I think the said, forecast is good. Yeah, yeah like forecast is good high fifties or low sixties and yeah. no precip. Should be good. Yeah, yeah. It should be fine. So, all right, well, ideal. Tommy, go let ahead, Doug. Let me mention one other thing that, that I think you'll get a chuckle out of. Uh, good to see. I said. Uh, earlier in the second half, I think maybe in the third quarter, Arlen Bruce, as our punt returner, he could have fielded a ball that hit the ground on the 12-yard line. Mm-hmm. He, he chose not to, um, and I don't know what he was told, but in my mind, he has plenty of time to get underneath the ball. I'm not talking about advancing. I'm just talking about fair catching it at the 12. Mm-hmm. You have an idea of what happened next, of course. The ball was killed at the 2. Uh, so that's 10 yards of field position that simply we make up just by simply fair catching a ball. Uh, later in the game, I did laugh as the game wound down. Did you notice Arlen Bruce on a punt that came down on the Yes. Stick? He was not interested in fair catching that punt. Yep. Uh, he fielded it and he advanced it 15 yards. He did. And I, I said, good for you, Arlen, because you're, you're thinking, I'm sure how Arlen's thinking, I'm going to fill this ball and I'm going to go 94 yards with it. Uh, and he didn't, but he went 15. Yeah. And the point is, uh, you know, don't be afraid to make a play. I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, the game was already lost, but I just was glad his spirit was. The game was lost, but his spirit was not lost. He was still trying to make a play, even as the game wound down. That's a good point. And yeah, I'm good for him. That's the mentality that that a lot of our players had. I'm sure. Because he's been frustrated. Was, you can tell by his body down. language he's been frustrated because he's been open a lot and he doesn't get the ball. So. But no, that yeah. wasn't. I do remember that, and I do remember thinking, you know, he miss. He makes one or two more guys miss on that punt return. Next thing you know, he's thirty yards downfield, and yeah, I mean, give it a try. Yeah. Try something. Hopefully, they'll take that mentality yeah. into Saturday's game. Try something. Hopefully, hopefully. Tom, anything? Yep. One other com- One other comment, and then I'll let you guys go. Okay. Just talking about the fact that fundamentals need to be emphasized over and over again, even for college players, they need to hear about fundamentals. Uh, and here's an example of fundamentals that were wrong. Uh, Gavin Williams uh, breaks on a draw play for yep. good yardage, but the ball is in his inside, inside arm. Yep. And the result is a fumble caused by a tackler coming Great from inside. Great play by the tackler, yeah. yeah. And we were lucky enough the ball did bounce out of bounds, so it's a learning experience for Gavin. It mm-hmm. didn't cost us a turnover, thankfully, because the ball went out of bounds. Uh, but again, you know, when you have open space in front of you and you have a chance to move the ball from one arm to the other, get that ball in that outside arm. Good you know, keep that inside arm free to be able to fight off all that pursuit that's coming from inside. Nope, that's a good point. And all I, right. And that was a great play by the Ohio State it, defender, it but I remember thinking Gavin switched it over and then boom, the guy came. So, okay. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time and insight as always. And hopefully next Monday I we're think, talking about a Hawkeye victory and, and it's a little more, uh, more of a rosy picture I we can look at. I think we're going to. 
Well, we know one thing. When it comes to character, nobody has more character than the Iowa football team. That character is going to show up on Saturday, I can promise you. And uh, the only request I have of our fans is you need to show up too, and you need to be as mentally tough as our players, and you need to support our guys when things are tough because we need all the support we can get. We need Kinnick to be that home field advantage that it almost always is. Let's have that same advantage against the Wildcats on Saturday. All right, Donnie. Good advice. Good advice. Have a good week. You guys too. Take care. Thanks, Don. And with that, uh, let's take a little break, and then we'll – I don't know, go off the rails a little bit, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll keep breaking it down. Wow. 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1-800-800-ROSE. It's so easy, just remember one number, 1-800-800-ROSE, your FTD florist. 1-800-800-ROSE. Remember... For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertin and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. Ask for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate. One of us is always there. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Hi, this is Patrick Eads, owner of Deary Brothers Lincoln in Iowa City. Let me tell you why right now is an absolute great time to buy a new Lincoln. Custom order the exact vehicle you want from interior and exterior colors and a full range of equipment content. Your vehicle, your way. Plus, with an unusually high used car market, trade-in values are more now than we've ever seen before. Stop by Deary Brothers Lincoln at Highway 1 in Mormon Trek, Iowa City. Car won't steer? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair work in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs. Brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventive maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't steer, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. GT Car, owner of Supel Siding and Remodeling, offers service and quality that is unmatched in the area. At Supel Siding and Remodeling, their trained professionals will install and guarantee the products used in any size job done. Regardless of the project, Supel Siding and Remodeling will stand behind their quality products and installation with exceptional customer service. Whether it's a window replacement, a kitchen remodel, or a house addition, our employees are committed to quality. Visit sales at suples.net or call 337-2246. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. 
With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry, as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit DiamondDentalPC.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. Dear U of I, just a note to let you know, if you're ever thinking about selling Kinnick Stadium or Carver Hawkeye Arena, please consider Hawkeye Title and Settlement. We're here to provide efficient, high-quality real estate title and closing services. Signed, Hawkeye Fan Forever, and send. Hi, this is Steve Anderson with Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Whether it's a large commercial property or if you're buying your first home, remember, we're here to help. Hawkeye Title and Settlement Services of Iowa City. You'll love our team just like you love the Hawks. Downtown Iowa City's best new restaurant and bar is Players Sports Bar and Grill. From Big Burger Mondays, Tex-Mex Tacos, and a variety of soups, salads, and vegetarian options as well. Players Sports Bar and Grill also features their famous Chicago Dog and the Iowa Dog, an all-beef bacon-wrapped hot dog smothered in corn relish, bacon, and ranch. Located at 219 Iowa Avenue, Players Sports Bar and Grill has both socially distanced dine-in and carry-out through Chomp Delivery. Daily deals and full menu options are on the website, playersic.com, or place an order at 319-800-2199. That's 319-800-2199. Players Sports Bar and Grill, great food, craft cocktails, and the ultimate place to watch your favorite sporting event. Henry's Painting in Coralville is your premier source that offers free estimates, fair pricing, and quality work. Owner Henry Herrera is an Iowa City West alum who uses only Sherwin-Williams products for his projects. With cooler weather upon us, it's time to consider interior repaint jobs for your home or business. Find them online at henryspaintingcontract.com, on Facebook, or give Henry a call at 319-333-9796. Henry's Painting. They don't cut corners, they paint them. Hi, this is Bill Eichstring of the Oxyoke Inn. Especially now, all of us need a little comfort. The Oxyoke has been offering comfort for over 80 years. From our signature recipes, quality of food, and family-style service, to historical ambiance, a return to the Oxyoke is like a warm hug with lunch, dinner, and banquets daily. You can still order curbside carryout, including our famous pies to go, and take the comforting taste of the Oxyoke home with you to share at your family's table. Visit oxyokin.com for hours, menus, reservations, weekly specials, and gift cards. From our family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon, and we'll be glad you're here at the Oxyoke Inn in the heart of Amana. 
From the Hurting and Stalker Studios in the heart of the Hawkeye Nation, this is the mighty 1630 KCJJ Iowa City. Hurting and Stalker Jewelers, making memories, making it is going to be cloudy with scattered rain and thunderstorms likely today. We could get uh, quite a bit of rain, in fact, an inch or more today through tonight. Our high in the 70s this morning. Temperatures are going to fall through the day into the lower 60s by later this afternoon. Rain tonight, 47. Tomorrow, cloudy, scattered showers, 55. By Wednesday, sunshine with a high right around 59. We'll stay in the 50s to low 60s through the rest of the week. I'm meteorologist Sean Cable on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. Right now, it's 70. No. KCJJ Weather, brought to you by Plum Supply. Plum Supply, kitchens and baths, your home never looks so beautiful. Uh, we will be talking to Devin Allman uh, coming up at 11 o'clock today. So uh, We can't go longer? The uh, Allman uh, uh, Revival uh, Tour is going on. So we can't go to like 11.15 or 11.20? No, 20? no. We no. Wow. We, we got to end in about. That's not fair. It's harsh. We, uh, That's harsh. We I ought can't... to just copy the uh, last Saturday's game and end in uh, about a minute and a half. <laughs> the rest of the time, just sit around. So, in other words, you're saying <laughs> we have to stop in the next 45 minutes. <laughs> that is what he's saying. Yes. I'll be ready to. I think I'll be ready to stop. Well, me too. We're just going to have to really deliver these last forty-five because we got the son of Greg Allman. Is Cher coming on? Is she going to call in? It's not. Uh, she's not his mother. I know, but still, she's his well, stepmother. <laughs> Maybe fake Cher will call in. No, fake Cher won't call in because You're we screening? will not be taking yes any, calls for uh, when Devin's on. Yeah. Yeah. How old Especially is he? on this segment of the All Hawks Fanatics. This will be the Almond Hawks <laughs> Fanatics. Which how one? old is how old is uh, this guy? He's 50? 50. Okay, so he's yeah. a little younger than I am. Yeah. Greg Almond, if he was still alive, would be like in his 70s. Didn't he die at 60? I think he was he 69. Died at 69. Same as David Bowie. You had just had your picture taken yeah. with him. He mm-hmm. was just at Riverside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what did he die of? I knew he had liver issues. He had hepatitis for, he had fought that. What, do we know what he died of? Uh-uh. But no, I man, that, what, I a, can't remember. what a great musical family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that'll be interesting. I'll, I'll make sure I listen. And yes, you can, pull, you're, you're, you can pull me out of the studio a little before 11 o'clock. I'll be willing to give in. So, Tom, all right, take it away. Okay, let's look at some other games. This coming up, This there's not very many games nationally that have two ranked teams. There's only three games, one of which is in the Big Ten. Ohio State at Penn State. What do you think? I think Ohio State wins. Penn State is good. I think they're. I think you got Michigan and Ohio State. Then maybe Penn. Got a drop. They got a significant drop, and then it could be Penn State and Illinois, and Wisconsin on a good day. I just the Wisconsin game at Michigan State was really disappointing. I I'd had they won that game, then I'd be saying yes, this Jim. But man, they lost to a Michigan State team that was reeling. Yeah. At the time, I did not see that coming. So, but um, I just don't think the Big Ten's very good. You take away the top two teams, and I think it's a bunch of average to below average teams. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that. Uh, and unfortunately, I think Iowa's below average, not because of its defense, of course, or special teams, but I just think the offense is so bad that it's finally caught up with everything else. If our offense was even average, well, they would be, be five, six and one, five and six, two. Yes, easily. Yeah. But it's not, and it's not even close to being mediocre or average, and it's just 
it's now and now it's starting to last year they were able to dodge a bullet now they weren't quite as bad last year but they were still pretty bad last year on offense they were i mean what they average 303 over it was not a but good we were winning those close but games but they weren't this bad and now it's hard to win the close games cuz they're getting nothing from the offense i mean peaches threw for 265 yards at maryland last year he had something he threw for no, two he, looked pretty good he had a few that. games last year where the offense did its part but that's just not happening now it is so bad it's almost like when they go out there now and i'm i'm not they're not quitting i'm with don i don't think they're quitting they're still playing hard with i just think they're playing as if they know they have no solution they're playing without confidence without confidence and just that they're helpless but they're still tough, and they're playing hard, and Laporte is fighting to break tackles, and the running backs are fighting to break tackles. Everyone's trying hard. They're just – they just don't – they seem to be, like, just lost. Everything looks hard. Yes. Really, really hard. Yeah, like when they – you see a lot of teams where the receiver will be flanked out, and he takes two steps back, and then they zip a ball to him. Then a couple of receivers come with a lineman pull, and they block for him, and it's just executed. Iowa, it's hard enough oh, – to get the ball to the receiver, then you hope that by the time the receiver catches it, there's somebody in sort of a position to block. And more times than not, one guy has a breakdown, and then it goes for nowhere. And things develop so slowly. Yes. It's just, you know, that's one thing you really see watching the other games. A lot of the screen passes work. The reverses, a lot of those work. But they seem to do, they're more crisp and they're oh, quicker. Oh, yeah. And, and faster. Yes, and just faster to develop. And that play where um, Stroud completed that deep ball against DeGene, that was Ohio State's fourth best receiver. That yep. was Julian Fleming, who's really good. He would be Iowa's – I mean, he'd be maybe the greatest receiver ever. I mean, he's really good. That was his sixth touchdown. But that ball was thrown so perfectly. That route was ran so perfectly. That play right there is something that the Iowa offense is so far – removed from being able to do I mean, there's probably four guys on Ohio State's team right now that are better than any receiver Iowa has ever had. Hello. That's close. Close. I'm trying to think. Who's Iowa's great at Marvin McNutt? He's probably. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yeah, uh, a question, um, and I don't know if it was brought up ever before, but you know, Iowa practices against one of the best defenses in the country. What actually happens at practice to, you know, I mean, say Peters practices well and stuff. And, you know, I mean, how can he complete a pass against one of the best defenses in practice or the offensive line so-called, you know, be able to, you know, uh, run against, you know, Iowa's defensive line. I mean, what is, you know, what do they do in practice? Well, we're not there, but I would be surprised. I don't know how much the number one offense is going against the number one defense, full pads, full scrimmage, full I don't speed, think much. much during the season. Uh, I don't think, I think Spencer does, if they're doing any of that, I think it's against the second team. I would just be surprised. I could be wrong. I can ask Kirk. I just don't think there's a ton of just helmet pounding ones versus ones as the season progresses. Okay, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I just, but I could be know, wrong. I don't know. I've, you know, I've never really heard of of how they practice, or you know, whether it's pro or college. Well, there's it's, no way Spencer and the quarterbacks are getting rocked in practice. They're, no, they can't. They hit don't. Them. They don't allow that. They can't no, be hit. No. So he no, may I, have a good. He may do good in practice, but always under different circumstances. He knows he's not going to get hit, and it's just a completely different circumstance. That's why sometimes practice doesn't carry to the games, and that's Spencer's problem. His performance well, in practice. What, yeah, I mean, that's what, you know, I guess I, I was trying to get to that. I mean, sure enough, though, that in practice, though, I mean, 
whether it's the first or second team, somebody has to guard these receivers. And, and you know, and there again, I mean, do do they get open, you know, in practice? I mean, because they can't get open, you know, a lot in the regular game. And, you know, I, I just well, no, I just but again how though, the, how that kind of went again? They're let's say they do get open more in practice, but how much of that is due to the fact that Spencer's sitting back in a pocket that he knows is never going to lead to a sack? They may complete a play in practice that takes a second longer to execute, and they won't have that second in a game, so it's really pointless. I think there's maybe some of that that goes on because let's face it, uh-huh. you're human. If you're a human and you know that that pass rush in practice is not going to hit you. It's going to be right. different than the game. And also keep in mind that uh, at least part of the practice is the, our scout team simulates the offense of the team that we're going to play, yes. and that's who uh, the ones are playing against. Yeah, there's not a lot of one versus one full speed. That I just oh. once the season starts, okay. but I will. I'll ask Kirk about that. I'll, I'll. I think that's an interesting question because I, I can't say for sure. We're not. I haven't been to practice since the kids' days. Brad, we're yeah. not allowed in. But that's a good question. Uh huh. Okay. Well, thank you. You bet. Thank you. It. We're following a story out of St. Louis. There's been a school shooting. That's just uh, being reported now. So, yuck. Thanks for well news. I know gloom and doom. That's what. Are you more gloom or you more doom? Uh, seem gloomy today. uh, The Hawks. You seem. You don't seem. You don't have your normal spark. You down today? I'm down. What's your voice? Are you still sick? Yes. Jesus. The only one who doesn't have COVID is the one who's sick. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else got. Yeah, we're all we all had. Not me. I got out. Well, of you've dodge. had it before. <laughs> yeah, you've had it before, and I've you know I feel fine now. And yet the one who doesn't is still down and sounds all that phlegm filled. That are you phlegm filled? Last week did me on. Last you were Lone Wolf McQuaid last, last week. You were. Last, well, those were some tough circumstances. And you those. grinded. You grinded through it though, didn't you? Yeah, but I don't think I'll make it. Hello. <laughs> What would happen if we took some of the defensive guys and put them on the offensive line? That would be a, a disaster. Probably not work out very well. <laughs> it would yeah. be a disaster. Well, if they're doing so well on defense, completely they different, also com- do well different on positions. Completely different positions. Different well, skills. Yeah. yeah, not even. Yeah, it could, couldn't happen. Interesting question, but it just couldn't happen. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that would be. That would be good if we could figure if we could figure out some way to get those offensive guys to work as well as the defensive guys work. Yeah, well, I don't that, know. It's a, I don't think it's a problem. They're not working. It's they're just, just not as good. It just isn't the. They're not as good. Schemes not working. They're not as well. Good, the offensive but, linemen aren't as good as Iowa's defensive no, linemen. I think that, and that's no knock sure. on the linemen. They're just not as good. Okay. Well, there should be a knock on the linemen because, you know. What if one of those big linemen was standing right in front of you there, Pipsqueak? What would you say? Cough on him. Uh, <laughs> it makes – let's you know, it's not working. Brian, no, I'm with Brian you. Brian is not working. It's not so working. Do, so and their consultant isn't working. And, and get a better lineman, recruit better linemen, or recruit better coaches? Well, I mean, you could – some would – I both. mean, they, they supposedly have better both. linemen coming. They have two really good offensive linemen recruits coming in, at least on paper. Caden Proctor, I mean, he's the number one tackle in the country. The kid from Indiana's big. I just think right now the, the offensive line, to me, and I know people will call me a Petrus apologist, but I think the offensive line is the biggest problem on offense. Agreed completely. I, and I think it's big by a long shot. I'm saying I don't think Spencer ever would be a great first-team All-Big Ten, but if he had a somewhat 
halfway decent offensive line and had a little bit of time and they could run a little bit, I think he'd be a different quarterback. Yeah, completely. And I and I don't want to single out the offensive line. I'm not saying it's George Barnett's fault. It's nobody's it's not one person's fault. Now it does stop with Kirk, but the offensive line to me is where the dysfunction starts. And they haven't recruited very well at receiver either. I think that's pretty obvious, so, don't you so agree? they need to get so, out and recruit some. Well, they've been hit hard by attrition at receiver, but all those receivers left because of playing time. They weren't good yeah, enough to play in front true. of the guys that are playing now. And the Keegan Johnson thing, that hit them hard too. That, I, I can't hold them against the coaches. That's just out of their control. Yeah. Well, let's hope for better this weekend. It's a way to look at it. Um, okay. I'm with we'll you. See you. Okay, Bye. thanks, Carl. You know, seriously, there's no game. Whatever they're planning, whatever Brian is planning, it has, it's not going to ever work. If it's if he's being restricted by uh, Kirk, it doesn't make any sense because it's not working well, at all. I was asked if Do you I, really think they're going to? You think they're going to win this? I do think they're going to win. I do too. Yeah, I, I, we can't get too carried away by the prisoner of the moment, regardless how bad. The offense is Northwestern's not a good team. They're in Iowa City. I think the Iowa defense is going to play lights out. I do think they're going to win. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. Now, do I think they're going to win 30? to No, I think they're going to fight their ass off to win this game. And I have them winning either two or three games the rest of the year. So I have them going either five and seven or six and six. Neither one will go over well because I don't see the offense making marked improvement. I do think this offseason, though, the way things are going – I think something will happen this offseason. I'm not saying what it – What I, I mean, I, the Paul Chris thing's fascinating. Because to, to me, that would show if they do figure out a way, but how do you get rid of Brian, though? What do you do? People say, well, just demote him. Do you know, it's a lot, Stuff like that's a lot easier said than done. You know, yeah. I mean, like yeah. Don said, you just fired George Barnett because he's the guy in the way of keeping Brian Ferentz employed. The column by the guy from Cleveland.com was basically that Iowa football belongs to the fans of the state. It doesn't belong to Kirk Ferentz and his family. It was a very scathing. And I agree. It was scathing. I mean, it was just it, well written. And it basically just said that Kirk has turned this into his own den of nepotism and and entitlement and that his son was given this. Brian, probably, Brian was 34 years old and had worked for two head coaches when Kirk named him his coordinator. And he didn't deserve the job back then. And he didn't really deserve to be the quarterback coach when Kirk added that responsibility to him. And I remember saying, Kirk is attaching his saddle, his legacy, and now it is backfiring miserably. Yes. And they don't have a solution. Now, okay, I'll put you on the spot. Do you think Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator next season? If that lawsuit is done, uh, I think he will be working somewhere else. If that lawsuit is still on the books. Well, it's got to end at some point due to statute of limitations. I think it's 23, I think. Calendar year 23. Because remember, there's, there's a statute of limitations for all those charges. Yeah. So, but if they, I mean, nobody's going to hire Brian with that, those allegations over his head. No, I do not but believe. I think without those allegations, I think Kirk can maneuver something. I do too. That's okay. what I'm saying. I'm going to go to CNN for uh, their report. Um, Here's some breaking news we need to get to right now. We're following a reported shooting at a high school in St. Louis. What we're showing you here are some pictures um, of students outside the school. You can see law enforcement as well as the school was being evacuated. CNN's Bryn, Jinga, Bryn Jingras, I'm sorry, Bryn is joining me now working on gathering some more details on this. What, do you, what have you learned about anyone injured and also the suspect? 
Yeah, Kate, well, you can see it's still a very active situation. We're still gathering information, but what we know is that there was an active shooter situation this morning at Central Visual and Performing High School. That's a high school in St. Louis, Missouri, and the police have confirmed that the shooter inside the school was stopped and is now in custody. We also know that at least two students were injured and on, are on their way to the hospital or already there. It's unclear the extent of their injuries, but we're also seeing reports of possibly more injuries. So again, we're we're working to confirm how many people we're talking here right now. This is a high school of about 400 students, and uh, you can see they are with family members now. They're being reunited at a different location, and of course, it's still an active scene, which means you saw the FBI, other law enforcement agencies there on the scene, still working through the high school, making sure there are no other victims, that the shooting is all clear. Uh, those details we're still working to confirm. But yes, we know that a shooter is in custody with police, and that at least two students were injured and are on the way to the hospital, Kate. Yeah, fear, relief, it's just terror of this happening again in America, all wrapped up into one, and we're seeing that in some of these images coming out. Yes, Bryn, thank you, and stay close. And KMOV uh, in St. Louis is reporting uh, that six students uh, are hospitalized. So six students, uh, KMOV, uh, Channel 4 in St. Louis, six students are hospitalized. So nobody's dead? As of now, they haven't reported any deaths. Thank God. Let's hope that it's, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm depressed. Oklahoma and Iowa State, uh, two teams that are. Uh, I think Iowa State's going to win. Underperforming. I do too. I think Iowa State's going to win. They've been so close. They've been snake bit on some bad calls. I'll give that. Now I don't. Th their fans act like that's the only reason they've lost games. But and they've had some good games against Oklahoma. I think for, they're going to. I think they're going to beat Oklahoma. I do too. Uh, Rutgers at Minnesota. I think Minnesota finally comes back. That would make them what five and three. They're reeling right now. Now, in fairness, they lost their quarterback. And yeah, they're, they're the Iowa recruited this kid that's playing. He and his brother. His brother's a receiver. I remember Hawk. I remember us writing recruiting uh -huh. stories about. But their offense, their their passing attack is just lost right now. It is. But I think they'll be able to beat Rutgers just by even being one dimensional and at home. I would think so. Uh, another game between ranked opponents, and again, there's only three of them this week. Uh, Oklahoma State, number nine, at number 22, K-State. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, that is. I mean, it seems like whenever I doubt K-State, they come back and have an impressive win. Chris Kleeman's really had a yeah. good year this year. It wouldn't surprise me if the home team wins. Hello. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, hey. One thing you could do with Brian Ferentz, and I know it's been said before, but just uh, – not that you get fired or whatever, but he leaves to take another position at another organization or another school. Like, well, yeah, uh, that's what yeah. I would. And I'd heard that they had maybe tried to do some of that last summer, tried to maybe ship him off to the NFL or something. But it's not easy when you're making nine hundred thousand dollars a year. And so, but no, that's what I think they will do. But I don't. I just don't think firing Brian Ferentz during the season accomplishes. Uh, no, I, I don't either. I just don't think it accomplishes no. anything. Um. One thing, man, and and like uh, the Paul Chris thing, that I it's this it would be the same type offense, and I don't have a problem with the offense they're running. Paul Chris would have experience in actually calling plays and doing things. Well, like maybe that, he can which, coach quarterbacks. Yes, he was he a quarterback. Was a quarterback. He, he was a, a quarterback. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe he can coach quarterbacks. I mean, Paul Chris um, did have some success at Wisconsin. Oh, definitely. They gave up on him pretty quickly. Uh, uh, Another thing, I mean, on, on some of these routes, and the, it's not the offense that I have a problem with or the style, 
I've seen a couple teams this weekend that, I mean, um, Wyoming's running the same offense against different competition with the fullback and I four. Their formations look the same. Polisek's doing, and they're scoring 30, 40 points a game. They have, but they've also had some games this year. You look at Wyoming, they've struggled at times, and they they haven't been – I mean, I'm not even sure what Wyoming's record is right now, but I think they went like uh, seven – Five and three. Yeah, I mean, and they've had a couple games this year where I don't know. It's been hit and miss with Paul's sake, but I get what you're saying. I do agree. I was Kirk's way of offense can work. I just think you need really, really, really good players now to make it work, and they don't have that. And they have to execute thing, almost perfect. Yes, because they don't ever get in space. I, I, I get that, but the other thing is you can't get in space when – and 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 do things when uh, like the, the I'm gonna do one play in particular the interception that Padilla threw mm-hmm. the, you had three receivers running within four yards of the line of scrimmage and you could have threw a net around all of them mm-hmm. the route trees have to be better well I think they're afraid you to can't go run two guys running four yards four yard outs and they're lined up right next to each other well I think what's happening but, now though is they're trying to run shorter shorter routes because they don't trust the pass protection and rightfully I so think you're right but Spencer unfortunately is not really good at making quick reads and hitting the right guy. Spencer still needs time for a play to develop. They don't have time for the play to develop, and they have a bunch of receivers running short routes, and they end up kind of sometimes stumbling over each other. Yeah, no, it's it's and complete dysfunction. And variations, man. Like, you know, the offense comes in, and everybody says they stack the box, and they do this and they do that. But uh, I tell you what, if you go four wide and make people go out and cover receivers, make your linebackers go out there, and not let them stack the middle like that, you might have a better chance having more people at the point of attack. You don't have to have a fullback and two tight ends every time you run the damn ball. Yeah. So it's not it's not hard. It's more people at the point of attack than them and you space your players out to dictate what the defense does. Don't let the you're on offense. The you problem come out in formations and make them adjust to you, Brian. Part of the problem they have on offense is they don't have players that can create space. I mean, Brody Breck is good, great of athlete he is, and how much potential he's. Brody Breast, Breast, Breck is not creating space and beating guys one on one. They just don't have that, and and that to me falls back on recruiting, in some regards. Yeah, it does. It does. And and man, if and the way though I've heard people say this, the way Brian or not Brian Kirk gets. In his post-game interviews, and says stuff like, uh, "Well, we won ten games last year, didn't you? Uh, you know, you might, might. Did you forget that? Well, you know what? That was last year, Kirk. This is a billion-dollar business now, and this is this year. You're I, about to win three games, sir. I do agree with you, but Kirk's also human, and that's what a lot of humans do when they're backed against the corner. They go back to what they have done right, and I still think Kirk believes all this stuff that's going on now, as bad as it is. Hey, guys." We're going to fix this. We'll get through this. We need to get through this, yes. And I think he still trusts his way because it's worked for the most. The difference, though, is the offense is so bad, historically bad, and his son is the coordinator. That's where he seems to not really able to separate truth from reality. And I think sometimes he thinks it's, yes, it's business as usual, but it's not because of those circumstances. It was different when Ken O'Keefe and Greg Davis were being ripped. And they were getting ripped, but it's not Kirk's son. Yeah. And they weren't the worst. Before I go, guys, and this guy, he's he's a talking head, and and people see him all the time on TV and Twitter and all that. Who? And uh, out of the blue, Shannon Sharp. 
out of the blue, did you see what he said the other day? No. No. He said, and he was laughing on whatever Fox thing, TV thing. He does that thing with Skip Bayless. um, Terrible. Yeah, but and I don't like either one Uh, of them. uh, uh, I don't mind Shannon. Skip Bayless is a. So what did he say? He said, "Are um, Iowa's quarterbacks and that offense." is absolutely laughable to be called the Division One, And if you're a recruiter, you're a kid, you should never let your kid go play offense if they're an offensive player well, at that's, Iowa. That's okay. what's going to happen. That's, I mean, that's the damage that's being done. You know how many people heard that and saw yeah, that? I, do, I wonder yeah. why Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless were even – why they would even care about Iowa. But, uh, no, it's hard. That's going to be part of the concern. It ain't good. Now. It ain't good. I mean, if you look at their 23 recruiting class, we said it before, they have one receiver, kid from Marion, great athlete, Played, had never played receiver until this year at Marion. I've heard he's having a good year. They don't have any other receivers. I mean, that's going to be a problem. If you're a wide receiver, do you want to come? Would you want to join this? No. Could You could just sell the fact of, do you just want to come be the one that changes it? That also, you you, they be just better make sure they keep, our, you know, if you're, I mean, you just better make sure you keep who you have right now because they don't have much at all. They lose one or two scholarship receivers. They're, that's going to be a crisis position if yep. that happens. Yep. All right, guys, have a good one. All right, Thanks, you too. Man. Now, are you convinced Keegan Johnson's going to be playing for Iowa next year? I'm not. Not at all. I'm not sure he's going to be playing anywhere. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What's going on. No, I mean, but, okay, say that doesn't happen. They don't get any more recruits in this 23 class. And let's say Arlen Bruce says, you know, screw it. I'm going. Kansas is thro- throwing the ball all over. I'm going home. Think about where they would be at receiver next year. And that's not a lot of shuffling. No. They're, they're really – walking a tightrope at wide receiver right now. I mean, that would be uh, Deontay Vines. Alec Wick, Alec Brody Wick. Breck, Jaden Wetchen, and Jack Joe Jack Johnson from Jack West Johnson, Valley. Yeah. Not the boxer. No. No. So that would be that would be a – He'd probably be a tight end. And they, he probably would. But think about that as yeah. your wide receiver. I'm not That's knocking not those guys. No, 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 no. I'm not knocking them. Nope. That ain't good, though. And as you compare it to Ohio State's receivers, and you know. Well, compared to Purdue's receivers, okay. anybody's receivers, yeah. if that's the case. I exactly. mean, they have not – and they have hit – I've had people say, well, it's, it's attrition. Okay, yes. I'm not going to name their names. They've lost four or five guys. All those guys that left transferred down, way down in some cases. They left here not because they were unhappy. They weren't playing. They left in search of more playing time. They weren't able to be ahead of the guys that are here. So that's recruiting. Yeah. All right, uh, Illinois at Nebraska could be. I think Nebraska's going to win. Do you? Yeah, I do for some reason. I think they're going to win. Now, Mickey has done a pretty good job there. I think they, so he's far. won two out of three games. I believe. Yeah. I think they're going to score some points. I think Illinois is good, but I think Illinois is an eight and four good. A nine and three may be good, or eight eight four. I don't, and I think Illinois is just going to lose a couple games. Oh wow! I mean, interesting. I still think that's just me. I could be wrong. Because I have been ranking Nebraska probably a little higher all year than they should, but they can score points. Nebraska can, and that's why I'm worried about Iowa. Yeah, yeah. Iowa, Nebraska. I think Nebraska can score 17 points against Iowa. Then the third game that pits uh, undefe- or not undefeated, but ranked teams: Kentucky at Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's playing as good as any team how, in the country right now. How was how good was Tennessee last year? 
they believed they won a, maybe won somewhere between Eight. seven and nine games. They, they were coming. This Hendon Hooker, their quarterback, is really good. And they got this just Jalen Hyatt, this wide receiver that looks like a, just an NFL wide receiver. They've just got great skill players. Yeah. Josh Heupel's done a good job there. He's recruited well. That's always been a program that's been bursting at the seams to be great again. They've always had – I mean, but since for about the last 10 to 15 years, they've been pretty mediocre. They've made bad coaching hires. But they've always had the facilities. They've always had the fan base. They've always had the recruiting base. You just had to get the right pieces together, and right now it's working. Yeah. Uh, and then another interesting game, um, maybe, just because it's an interstate game, uh, Michigan State at Michigan. You know, I, I don't, like I said, I gave Michigan State no chance against Wisconsin. I still think this, I do think, though, Michigan is just a better team and I think, I mean, I know crazy things happen when they play this game. I would be surprised if Michigan lost this game. I would too. Michigan may have the best running back combo in the country. This, that Donovan Edwards, he's so different than Coram too, but they're both home run hitters. I just thought they looked better than the Ohio State backs. Now, I also thought the Ohio State backs didn't have a lot of running room either. I was going to say, yeah, part of that was because our defense we did played, play very well. Uh, the defense played very well against Ohio State. Yeah. And those Ohio State running backs seemed to – I just thought – Ohio State got frustrated once they realized, ah, we're not going to be able to do what we normally do. These guys are pretty good on defense. And it took them a while to figure out how to do it. And then, of course, Iowa helped their cause by just being a six turnovers, an S show on offense. See, I didn't say the word. I know the rules now. <laughs> I said, you can say S show, can't you? Yeah, because it is. They know what I like a poop show. Yeah. Not crap a peep show. Crap show. That would be good. What about poop show? They might think I'm saying peep show. Which is something else entirely. That's something entirely different. Entirely you don't want different. a poop show to be a peep show, do you? Yeah, it was pathetic. You're, you're, are you down about the Hawks? Yeah, I don't think they're going to a bowl. Well, I'm not over – like I said, I got five and seven or six and six. Well, I mean, think about it. That's not that. overly negative either. To no. go six and six, they got to go three and two. They got to win their – I don't know how you – because I'm just not ready to completely give up on Kirk Ferentz football yet. As bad as it is, I still think there's going to be a way. And I'm also, the last five opponents, yeah, they can lose. None of them are very good if you look at the big scheme of things. None of them are complete. Yeah, none of them are complete. None of, none of them. them are. I mean, I mean, none of them are really very good. This is just mediocrity festering with mediocrity, <laughs> and you hope you do the best festering. And that's your Big Ten West. Yes. Well, the West, Jim Morrison was wrong about one thing. The West he was is, wrong about no, a lot of things. No, one thing he was wrong about. The West is not the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was wrong about that. Wrong about that. What else Soiling was he wrong himself, about? Well, that's just bodily uh, functions. Excessive uh, drug use. More drinking. Uh, yeah, drinking. More drinking. He didn't do a lot of yeah. coke and weed. Yeah. He took a acid, but he was mostly just hardcore alcohol. He did some heroin, didn't he? Not he? No, well, he, not people not, say that's what killed him, not but that's much. not what he He was mostly acid and booze. <laughs> He was wrong about a lot. <laughs> but he was wrong about the West. His offense was pretty poor. Well, and that's why some people want to get rid of divisions. I mean. Yeah, yeah. And because, like, James Franklin's whining all the time about the divisions because he's in the harder one. My answer to that is, okay, well, get better, too. You're Penn State. Yeah. Compete with Ohio State and Michigan. He can't. I mean, if he were in the West division, Penn be, State would probably win it. Oh, yeah. They'd probably win it three out of every four years. Uh, probably so. But they're not. But they're not. And now if we get more teams joining, I mean, that I watched a little bit of that UCLA-Oregon game. Good God, there was nothing that resembled Big Ten football at all no, in that game. No. It, was, it, was, it, was, it, it was fun to watch. I mean, somebody who covers Iowa, who cheers for the Chicago Bears and Notre Dame, that was just like a 
breath of fresh air. I'm like, look at this. Well, and that's something that I uh, kind of enjoy on the rare occasions that I watch Big 12 games. They're, They're fun. fun to watch. They're, most of them are 46 to 41, 38 to 33. You know, there's a lot of scoring. And there is some defense still played in these some. games. These, they've got good athletes and stuff, but the games are played at such a fast pace. And just moving the football is so easy for these teams. And then meanwhile... You know, and it's just... It's just so frustrating because everything looks so easy for most of the other teams that you watch. Offensively, at least, they're they're smooth. Their plays work uh, a good portion of the time. There's open receivers. There's holes to run through. Iowa doesn't – everything just looks so hard. It just does. Because it is. Everything is hard. I mean, it's just that. But why is it so hard for us? I think it it's a combination of scheme, talent, coaching, imagination, and purpose. Put it all together. I think they play not to lose because they're so worried about bad things happening if they think outside the box or step away from their norms that Kirk has rooted in this program for mm-hmm. two decades. And I think if you take that philosophy and then if you just don't have the Jimmies and the Joes, which they just don't. I mean, there's only so much coaching can do, guys. At some point, yeah. How much you think no, Ryan Day had? A, you think Ryan Day had a lot to do with that Stroud completion to Julian Fleming for a, a I mean, that was yeah. They called the play. That was just athleticism. Yeah. That was recruiting. I mean, Cooper DeGene made a pretty good play on that, and he just got beat by a future NFL receiver and by the probable Heisman Trophy winner who's going to be in the NFL. Hello. One thing on that, though, Pat, if Spencer would have threw that ball, it went about four feet over the guy's head. Yeah, and the but receiver would question, have been covered because the D-back covering the receiver would have been faster, probably. Yeah. Yeah. My question is, um, you know how people say um, Hayden stayed too long a year or two? Well, yeah. Hayden even said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think Kirk's starting to get that way? Well, possibly, but we're not there yet. I mean, I we're mean just, Kirk won 10 games last year in the West Division. Hayden's 1997 season ended in a disaster with Dwight and those guys. Then 98, they were done. They just had nothing left. And I think Hayden should have retired either after the 96 Alamo Bowl. He should have retired, he said, with Bill Brazier after the 95 Sun Bowl. And because um, then you could have re- the new coach could have built with you would have still had Shaw, Banks, Dwight, and what have you. But I don't. I mean, that's always the risk. And Tom, I, I mean, but we're not there yet. You know, uh, no. Um, I. I the offense needs serious retooling. revamp. Yes, retooling. It just does restructuring. And if if Kirk is not going to do anything with the offense, then yes, it is time. If he's not going to try to change anything, well, you got to understand when you say that he's got to get out. He's also he's the head coach. He also has a lot to say about the defense, which is very good. And special teams. He's the one who hired LeVar Woods. Yeah, he's, the so one told, mean, he's the one who told LeVar to go down yeah. and get Tory Taylor. So, no, it's too early yet. I get the question. We're not there yet. If they if they go 5-7 and seven this year, and let's say we're at the same position next year. And if our offense looks like this next year, you, the well, stands are going to well, start to Well, my concern empty. is if he doesn't make any notice. I mean, they fed this narrative this offseason, guys. You remember, they yep. were supposedly making some changes. And some people in the media, the usual suspects in the media, 
take that stuff hook line and sinker and promote it and what the member the Budmar stuff simpler routes better communication everything's going to look a little different and and well, I nothing nothing changed. looks better so my concern is they can still do this off season stuff and saying yep we're making changes we're going to keep Brian here but we're making some f- philosophical changes and you could go through that, and we can still buy it hook, line, and sinker, and then you come out in the field and see the same thing next year. I think they have to make noticeable structural changes to appease some fans or they're going to start losing. Uh, okay, so what do we have to do in, fans in the seats. About, the, about the portal? Uh, how many receivers do we have to try to get? How many offensive linemen do we have to Well, try I mean, to get? that's up to Kirk, but why would a competent receiver come here? You can go to the you can go to the portal and find receivers that are just as bad or why would a competent receiver want to come here right now under this they setup? Well, they they wouldn't. That's what I'm saying. So to me that's sort of a mute point. That's why you would have to make structural changes before you could go out and get somebody. And I'm just worried not worried, but I'm almost convinced that they've hit the point of no return with Brian. You've you've I, I am there. I, I just think most fans too. are what's that? My my last question is then the last two to three recruiting years has Iowa back, gone backwards, or are they still the same, or they've moved up? They've moved up in a lot of respects. But, but not at skill players. But not, not in not the at, skill Not position. at the positions that matter. No. And a lot of that is, yeah, I don't really pay that. Oh, hey, well, this year they finished 29th instead of 38th, whatever. But, no, they have not moved up. They have not recruited wide receivers well for a while. No. Ever. And rarely. Ever. I'm still bringing it, Captain. We're still bringing it. And you know what's going to bring us down? The Almond Brothers. We got this great flow going, and now you guys are going to go back and pass. <laughs> yeah. Live in the, excuse this me of living greatest, in the past. Greatest flow ever. I'm going to go home and listen uh, to Carly Swift. Or no, yeah. what, not Carly. What's her name? Taylor. Taylor. And you guys are going to be living back in the 60s. Uh, isn't it terrible? Carly Simon lost both her sisters. God, within a day of each within other? Within a day of each other. Oh, oh, from God. what? Cancer. Cancer. Oh, oh, that's just awful. That's horrible. Yeah. Uh, I want to give one real positive shout-out to uh, the Iowa women's basketball program. Jan Jensen landing uh, class of 2024 6'4 center out of Oregon, Eva Hyden. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, people always look good on uh, snippets of tape and stuff, but this this kid looks well, real good. Player of the year in her conference, led her team to a state title. She is 6'4", very good on the AAU circuit. I know she made quite an impression on the Iowa coaches on the AAU circuit. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's interesting, too, that she's from Oregon. They've uh-huh. opened up another recruiting avenue, and I do think Caitlin Clark and Cezano. You bet. I, I, I mean, they, they have to start preparing for life after Monica Cezano. She ain't going to be here forever, and this was a significant step in doing that. No, and this is Monica's last year. Yeah. Um, now, they this, won't over- she has two more years of high school. But, that's right. But still, you have to start preparing for life without – Monica, and that's what they're doing. And I think this was a good get, and the fact that she's from Oregon, I that's just an area that Iowa does not recruit oh, in hardly oh. any sport. And th- the two in-state schools have pretty good women's basketball programs. I yes. mean, Oregon, as of a couple of years ago, was and I don't, right at the top. The stuff I read that she didn't even she visited Portland, Gonzaga, and was going to visit Utah, and visited Utah as well. So I don't know if they weren't interested or just – I don't know. But it's a good get, and Jan Jensen does a great job with developing those She sure does. And 6'4", 6'4", that's, yeah. that's good size. Hello. Saturday was the biggest failure since Kim Reynolds tried to show compassion. Who was the biggest failure? Saturday was the biggest oh. failure since Kim Reynolds tried to show compassion. That's not. I'm not. No. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not no. liking that one either. No. What do you think, Captain? 
No. That's not going to get a, a rim shot, right? First no. off, there's nothing funny about the game Saturday. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But there Zero. was no Anita Ward in that statement at no. all, right? No. No Anita Ward. No, and you tr- to combine yeah. Hawkeye football with Kim Reynolds, no. How about Hawkeye football with Anita Ward? Although she doesn't deserve that, does she? No. 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 So was was did you watch from start to finish like a brave trooper? Just, I did. And how how did it go? I kept... At the first half, when it was nineteen to ten, all I was saying is, "Please don't give up any more points." I think a lot keep of keep us in this. I think a lot game. of people were doing that, and they were saying, "Gee, I can't believe it's not thirty-seven to ten right now." Yeah, and it could, could easily have been. But then when he threw that pick six late in the second quarter, I'm just like, "Damn it, Spencer! What are you doing? I want to support you so much, but you make it impossible." And with you know, that. We done? We done? We're going to end on that? All right, everybody, have a good, safe. We've got some rain coming, but um, it feels like May. It feels like late May out there. Many thanks to Coach Donnie Patterson for joining us, and we'll talk to you again Wednesday morning.